step further in, then two or three steps, always expecting to feel woodwork against the tips of her fingers. But she could not feel it. This must be a simply enormous wardrobe, thought Lucy, going still further in and pushing the soft folds of the coats aside to make room for her. Then she noticed that there was something crunching under her feet, something soft and powdery and extremely cold. This is very queer, she said, and went on a step or two further. And then she saw that there was a light ahead of her, not a few inches away where the back of the wardrobe ought to have been, but a long way off. A moment later, she found that she was standing in the middle of a wood at night time, with snow under her feet and snowflakes falling through the air. Lucy felt a little frightened, but she felt very inquisitive and excited as well. She looked back over her shoulder, and there, between the dark tree trunks, she could still see the open doorway of the wardrobe, and even catch a glimpse of the empty room from which she had set out. I can always get back if anything goes wrong, thought Lucy. She began to walk forward, crunch, crunch over the snow, and through the wood towards the other light. In about ten minutes she reached it, and found it was a lamp post. wondering what to do next, she heard a pitter-patter of feet coming towards her. And soon after that, a very strange person stepped out from among the trees into the light of the lamppost. He was only a little taller than Lucy herself, and he carried over his head an umbrella, white with snow. From the waist upwards, he was like a man, but his legs were shaped like a goat's. He also had a tail, but Lucy didn't notice this at first, because it was neatly caught up over the arm that held the umbrella, so as to keep it from trailing in the snow. He had a strange but pleasant little face, with a short pointed beard and curly hair. And out of the hair there stuck two horns, one on each side of his forehead. One of his hands, as I have said, held the umbrella. In the other arm he carried several brown paper parcels. What with the parcels and the snow, it looked just as if he had been doing his Christmas shopping. He was a fawn. And when he saw Lucy, he gave such a start of surprise that he dropped all his parcels. Goodness gracious me! Good evening, said Lucy. Good evening, good evening, said the fawn. Excuse me, I don't want to be inquisitive, but should I be right in thinking that you are a daughter of Eve? My name's Lucy. But you are, forgive me, you are what they call a girl? Of course I'm a girl, said Lucy. You are, in fact, human? Of course I'm human. To be sure, to be sure, said the fawn. How stupid of me. But I've never seen a son of Adam or a daughter of Eve before. I am delighted. That is to say, delighted, delighted. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Tumnus. I'm very pleased to meet you, Mr. Tumnus. And may I ask of... 
Lucy, daughter of Eve, how you have come into Narnia? Narnia? What's that? said Lucy. This is the land of Narnia, all that lies between the lamppost and the great castle of Care Paravel on the eastern sea. And you, you have come from the wild woods of the west? I, I got in through the wardrobe in the spare room, said Lucy. It's only just back there. At least, I'm not sure. It's summer there. Meanwhile, said Mr. Thomas, it's winter in Narnia, has been for ever so long. And we shall both catch cold if we stand here talking in the snow. Daughter of Eve from the far land of Spare Um, where eternal summer reigns around the bright city of Wardrobe, how would it be if you came and had tea with me? Well, it's very kind of you, said Lucy, but I shan't be able to stay long. They had not gone far before Lucy found he was leading her into the entrance of a cave. As soon as they were inside, she found herself blinking in the light of a wood fire. Now, daughter of Eve, time for tea, said the form. And really, it was a wonderful tea. And when Lucy was tired of eating, the fawn began to talk. He had wonderful tales to tell of life in the forest. He told about the midnight dances, and how the nymphs who lived in the wells, and the dryads who lived in the trees came out to dance with the fawns. About long hunting parties after the milk-white stag, who could give you wishes if you caught him. About feasting and treasure-seeking with the wild red dwarfs in deep mines and caverns far beneath the forest floor. And then about summer, when the woods were green and the whole forest would give itself up to jollification for weeks on end. Not that it isn't always winter now, he added gloomily. Then, to cheer himself up, he took out from its case on the dresser a strange little flute that looked as if it were made of straw and began to play. tune he played made Lucy want to cry and laugh and dance and go to sleep all at the same time. Oh, Mr. Tumnus, I'm so sorry to stop you, and I do love that tune, but really I must go home. I only meant to stay for a few minutes. It's no good now, you know said the fawn, laying down its flute and shaking its head at her very sorrowfully. No good, said Lucy, jumping up and feeling rather frightened. What do you mean? I've got to go home at once. The others will be wondering what has happened to me. But a moment later she asked, Mr. Tumnus, whatever is the matter? But the fawn's brown eyes had filled with tears, and then the tears began trickling down its cheeks. And soon they were running off the end of its nose, and at last it covered its face with its hands and began to howl. Aren't you well? Dear Mr. Tumnus, do tell me what is wrong. But the fawn continued, sobbing as if its heart would break. And even when Lucy went over and put her arms round him and lent him her handkerchief, he didn't stop. He merely took the handkerchief and kept on using it, wringing it out with both hands whenever it got too wet to be of any more use. 
so that presently Lucy was standing in a damp patch. Mr. Tumnus, bawled Lucy in his ear, shaking him. Do stop! Stop it at once! You ought to be ashamed of yourself, a great big fawn like you. What on earth are you crying about? <laughs> sobbed Mr. Tumnus. I'm crying because I'm such a bad fawn. I don't think you're a bad fawn at all, said Lucy. I think you're a very good fawn. You're the nicest fawn I've ever met. No, I'm a bad fawn. I don't suppose there ever was a worse fawn since the beginning of the world. But what have you done? Take service under the White Witch. That's what I am. I'm in the pay of the White Witch. Why, it is she that has got all Narnia under her thumb. It's she that makes it always winter. Always winter and never Christmas. Think of that. How awful, said Lucy. But what does she pay you for? <laughs> That's the worst of it said Mr. Tumnus with a deep groan. I'm a kidnapper for her. That's what I am. Look at me, daughter of Eve. Would you believe that I'm the sort of fawn to meet a poor innocent child in the wood, one that's never done me any harm, and pretend to be friendly with it, and invite it home to my cave, all for the sake of lulling it to sleep and handing it over to the White Witch? I had orders from the White Witch that if ever I saw a son of Adam or a daughter of Eve in the wood, I was to catch them and hand them over to her. And you are the first I have ever met. And I've pretended to be your friend and asked you to tea, and all the time I've been meaning to wait till you were asleep and then go and tell her. Oh, but you won't, Mr. Tumnus, said Lucy. You won't, will you? Indeed, indeed, you really mustn't. And if I don't, she's sure to find out, and she'll have my <laughs> tail cut off and my...